0: Hi guys, welcome to the latest ASU Sports Business Podcast. Um, welcome again. Thanks for your feedback on our previous podcast with Leon Balogun. It was slightly different, um, getting insight from an athlete's perspective, but it was still great nonetheless. So thanks for that. Yeah, we hope everyone is doing well. I know Corona is still about, but um, hope everyone's adjusting and keeping safe. And so before I introduce who we actually um, have with us today, we have another leader in the uh, sports business industry. Just before um, we get into that, just want to let you guys know again, please do give us a rating on SoundCloud and Apple. Of course, we're like five stars, but be as honest um, as you can be. But yeah, please do give us a rating. It'll help with our own feedback and allowing others to find us. Um, If you're not already, and I'm sure most of you guys are, um, follow us on our social media handles, we're on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, um, AS Unified across all platforms. So yeah, give us a follow. And I know usually we, um, we make, uh, if you have any questions, let us know, but we actually mean that guys. So if you have any questions or topics that you want us to cover or people you want us to feature, then let us know. Uh, we'll answer those questions probably before our next podcast or we do it on our Social platforms, but we'll let you know. So, just want to get that out of the way. Now that's done, we can begin. And yeah, as I mentioned, we've got a uh, a great person with us today. Um, he's done quite a lot in terms of sports within Africa, and helping to grow and just project that. So, I am pleased to welcome Hugo Idesway with us today. Hugo, how are you doing? Good, good.
1: Thanks for having me on. Board. Thanks for having me.
0: No, thank you. Um, I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate it. Um, well, now, nah, pleasure to have you on board. Uh, where are you at the moment? Are you in the States? Are you in Nigeria? How are things going during lockdown for you right now?
1: I'm in Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm in Wakanda, bro.
0: <laughs> That's good. Were
1: you keeping safe during uh, COVID? No COVID in Wakanda. Good.
0: It's pure technology. <laughs> yes. But no, um, I guess let's uh, get straight into it So we're going to, for those of you listening We're going to try and break this into two parts So the first part we're going to talk about Is along the lines of basketball Everything about CBL Continental Basketball League Which we go into, going to BAL, Basketball Africa League, part of NBA And just a whole merge of sports entertainment And in the second half We'll talk more about the sports brand, leading sports brand, AFA Sports, and what they're doing in the whole mission and um, yeah, by behind that. So yeah, Hugo, Thanks again. So I guess just start off with um, CBL. In fact, no, but even before that, just start off with a bit of your background. So you went to Wyoming, if I'm correct, right? University studying over there. Correct. Played basketball. Became a. Th- to- Sorry, go on. Yes, I went to Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. Um, you played basketball, eventually becoming an agent. Um, but what, what, what was your experience like in those early days studying in the States and, and playing ball and, of course, being an agent?
1: Um, I think college basketball was fun. I think um, coming from Africa, going to high school and you don't understand the intensity that's required Uh, You know, when you see a lot of this stuff on TV, you think it's easy. So I remember my first practice in college. They were putting buckets around the court, and I was asking, what is this for? They were (laughs) like, you're going to find out soon. (laughs) Uh, I quickly found out that you can work so hard till you throw up and test your own bio (laughs) after running. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. Well, it was a good experience, you know and college basketball was fun Mm -hmm. and being an agent was very good too.
0: Yeah, that's good. Where, when did you get the idea to, or was it always your idea to bring what you've learned back to the continent? Or did you just stumble across that thought as your career developed?
1: Um, I think it kind of happened. And first of all, being an agent for so long I think every time I come back to Nigeria, and I see the basketball landscape, I kind of felt like they didn't understand, people didn't understand what they were, the potential
0: yeah.
1: and the missed opportunity
0: mm-hmm.
1: for Africa, and so even during that time, when I come by, I remember when I come by, I come from a family where, just like most Nigerian family, Everybody's a PhD, doctor, engineer, and I come and i a sports agent. They will look at what's there. You know, nobody could really understand or grasp the, the uh, opportunity of what you do. Yeah. So, and being the first, uh, I think the second African sports NBA certified sports agent mm. and the, being the first from Nigeria, in the United States, I always felt like I had an obligation to impact the knowledge I've learned so far um, into the continent. And I'm not the kind of person that want to sit on the phone or on Facebook complain about something. Yeah. I want to go back there and do something. Honestly, I just woke up one day, if you ask me five years ago will I move to Nigeria, I'll tell you I'm drugs. (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you, you're crazy. You know, I woke up one day and I felt like, you know, time is passing by. You know, the most important thing is what you leave behind in the experience and the opportunity God has given you.
2: Yeah.
1: And I said I was going to Nigeria. Everybody thought I was crazy. Um, at that point, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to, I was getting into. But all I knew is I wanted to go over there and... First of all, start a basketball league. Yeah. Now, I didn't want to go to start a basketball league. I, my, my initial thought was um, yeah, this basketball team called Lagos Islanders I played for before I went to the United States. Yep. My initial thing was, let me go in there, buy into this team, show them how it's done, kind of light the fire,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then come back. So I got into, once I got to Lagos, I uh, sat down with the management. We had an agreement. I called. I started looking for, uh, mind you, I didn't know anybody in Lagos pretty much. Yeah. And I missed some calls, found some other partners. We had a successful, um, we started hosting the games with the Nigerian Basketball Federation
2: mm-hmm.
1: at the Landmark Center. And it got quite successful. But the problem was when the other teams came to play, they didn't understand what we were trying to do. Some of the players wouldn't even have the right uniforms. Yeah. And sometimes the talent was terrible. So we were spending all this money in this local league, but it wasn't, um, it didn't add up. So I always, I, I said two things are going to happen. Either we go and start our own league or get out of this. It's a waste of my time. Yeah, you uh, we can't be paying for. I mean, you know how expensive playing at the landmark is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you can't be paying all this money trying to push this, and you can't do business with people that have don't have the same kind of uh, equity interest in what you're doing. Yeah. So I said, yeah, it's just two ways: either we stop it, or we start our own
2: league.
0: Mm. That's how we decided to start our own league. Oh, so that's how the CBL was born. Okay. So for so for people who are listening, who may not have heard of the CBL before, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a tournament with six teams, right? Three from Nigeria, and then one each from Senegal, Ivory Coast, and Gabon, right?
1: Gabon, correct. And eventually Cameroon. Yes. So it was also a league and a tournament combined.
0: Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, And from it seemed really good we've written an article about it you had it was huge huge you had likes of Davido there you had great people um crowds in attendance and it was very competitive it was getting traction and and media coverage so I guess in terms of uh like a lessons learned what were I guess what were the um what did you do well what were your strengths from the CBL and then maybe if CBO 2 was happening again, like lessons learned from that, what, what, could you, what could go better?
1: Well, the CBO is still going to happen. I think what we need to learn is, what we learned was when you have a good initiative, mm-hmm. don't expect, especially in a country like Nigeria, don't expect people to <laughs> embrace you. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't expect the kind of animosity I didn't expect the kind of animosity and the mm-hmm. from the traditional basketball industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't understand that the change was going to open a lot of wounds. Yeah. I didn't understand. Because we brought in a whole new demography from basketball. Yeah. We brought in the entertainment industry. You brought in, like you mentioned, David Doe. Like every game we had, we didn't even have a schedule. Yeah. Two days before a game, we put it on social media. We hadn't a game and we have 2,000 people. And 2,000 people we're talking about were like the elites of the society. Mm-hmm. So the, the people that normally have the basketball games fell sideline because they, they didn't fit. When they came to the games, they would complain they can't even sit on the front. They have to, you know Their traditional demography was first-lighted. So they yeah. went after us. They said that we're an illegal league. Yeah. They didn't care what was happening. They said I didn't come to talk to them. But we sat down with different meetings, pushed our agenda with them. But they were so the uh, president of the basketball Federation at the time, TJ Omar, mm-hmm. You know, they would call our sponsors and threaten them, tell them we're an illegal league. So our sponsors started pulling out. They didn't want to get in any controversy uh-huh. with the government. And, you know, there was somewhat going on. So the lesson I've learned is not even, I don't know how you get around there, you know, but what I'm more happy than is we had a wonderful league. You know, we showed the world that this can be done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, one of the things I've always said is this, for being an agent for so many years in America, I, I always used to wonder why am I here in the United States? right in terms of physiology biology like the lebron or whoever 80 (laughs) percent of the league if you do the dna test they're probably from west africa right (laughs) yeah
0: some of them have done the dna test.
1: (laughs) so why don't we like why can't we do this do that back home create jobs create opportunities create revenues you know, create an industry. I don't even look at it in terms of basketball. I'm looking at it as an opportunity. Why can, why do young men have to leave their homes at a young age to come to another country? Mm -hmm. Why can't they be there, build something, become superstars over there? We have the economy.
2: Yeah.
1: And buy a home in Lakey, play basketball as a career, just like uh, music is right now. 20 mm-hmm. years ago, all them videos didn't exist, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why can't we have our own superstars over there? Why do we always have to depend, why do we always have to depend on the Western world for everything? When we have all the resources, the human resources, the market, the opportunity, why? Like, for me, I always felt like I would be I would have lost an opportunity to make change if I went through all my experience mm. and didn't impact something yeah. and create something in Africa.
0: Now that's, um, you've touched on so many things there. Even speaking within the industry, it's um, for real change to, to occur, it needs to happen from within, right? So give the, as you just mentioned, give the, the younger generation A hope or even an idea that you can start and end a career within Africa but obviously the things need to be in place for that to happen so what you've just said hits on the head because so many people have said that um but I guess with from what you've said about your lessons learned and some of the 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 hurdles that you had to overcome um I guess and it's good news that you said that CBL2 will happen has there been a bit more cohesion from the, the people on the outside after CBL1 um, regarding the lead up to uh, CBL2?
1: Yes, we've been doing a lot of groundwork from the experience we've acquired in the past couple of years from infrastructure development to the opportunity and also warming ourselves to the existing um, existing uh, authorities and yeah. um, you know com- you know things have changed a lot since then mm-hmm. you know cbl has shown a lot to the world so i think the narrative has changed a lot i think this time is prime yeah to move forward on that
0: yeah that sounds good um you you also mentioned what i want to ask because obviously we're based in london and speaking to people who maybe from have an outside looking in one of their thoughts, and even speak to people on the, on the ground, is about infrastructure. And now for CBL1, you had countries, as we mentioned, from Gabon, Ivory Coast, Cameroon. How did you get about, how did you navigate that in terms of infrastructure and um, the teams from overseas, even teams within Nigeria traveling? How did you get about that? Well, uh, it wasn't
1: easy. Uh, traveling across Africa within Nigeria, as you know, is not easy. But I think yeah. the, how we got successful with that is, the grassroots. Okay. We connected with the grassroots early on in all those different countries. I took trips. I met the people on the ground. I stayed with them. I understood with them. I lived with them. So I kind of understood, you know, the problem, some companies that come into Africa come, they don't understand the grassroots. Yeah. They come in, they work with people that, professionals or whatever they call themselves, and then when things go wrong, they say Africa is not viable. Mm -hmm. The countries that have been successful in Africa are the countries that have been able to connect to the grassroots. You know, there's no data. you got to sit outside the store to understand what's going on. And I've done that myself for hours. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to create your own data. You have to understand. Before we came, before I came to the CBL, people were throwing all kinds of numbers at me. 10,000 people here, 20,000 people here, 5,000 people here. Bullshit. Sorry for my language. <laughs> <laughs> Can I call somebody sorry? Yeah,
0: for that's me. fine, that's fine,
1: that's fine. <laughs> oh, bullshit. You know, oh, blah, blah, blah. Numbers are bullshit in Africa. You know, people make up shit as they go. Oh, some of the data companies make up shit as they go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so you got to kind of be very meticulous and coming up. You know, there's a lot of packaging. You got to understand the ground. You gotta understand what people are
0: doing to be successful in Africa. Mm -hmm. That's good. That is good insight. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's good to hear about CBL, um, the challenges that you faced, and um, the plans ahead. So, I know you mentioned in terms of being on ground and having um, some understanding about how things actually work and navigate. And so, moving on, moving on slightly, I wanna talk now about. of course, the BAL, which is, well, was meant to start early this year because of COVID that's been postponed. Um, but what's your what's your thoughts on that in terms of, do you see it as not to, yeah, do you see it as a great um, tool to help boost economy? As like you said, it's not just about sports, but it's about creating, you know, opportunity and hope. But yeah, what's your thoughts about BAL when, their structure and what's about to happen on the continent in that, in that regard for basketball?
1: You know, one thing I'm glad about BAL is uh, one thing I've always said and I've always wanted to do is to show people that uh, the sports industry in Africa is viable. Yeah. And I think without a doubt, the CBL gave the opportunity for the BAL
2: hmm
1: There's no, I think if you type the dots, that's uh there's no doubt on that.
2: Yeah.
1: One thing you said earlier, change has to come from within. You know, I hope that I don't know yet, but I hope that uh like from what I'm seeing with BAL. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good initiative, but I've never seen a time where, in the history of Africa, I hope I'm wrong, where a corporation comes from outside and it benefits the continent.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, even if I look through what's going on, whether it's the sponsors, everything, it's all foreign. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, when I mean foreign, I mean, it's almost like the Nike deal Nigeria did with the Nigerian uh, Football federation with Nike.
2: Yeah.
1: Nike made a lot of money from it. I don't know how much they paid in Nigeria, but I I didn't see any Nike factories in Nigeria. I didn't see people hired. Even the promo was done in London. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I didn't see any impact. You know, apart from the jerseys are nice, you know, they made a lot of money from it. I think it's, I think it's something that's, uh, I think it's something that's wonderful for us. Yeah. You know, but, but I, I, at the minimum, I'm gonna look at it like, you know,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: anything that helps Africa right now, even at the minimum is good. Yeah. Um, I hope, I hope that the hire Africans, I hope they find African brands to push, Mm-hmm. I hope the securities are Africans, the doormen are Africans. I hope it's not one of those things, another colonization effort. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: of course, the this is not a charity. So some people got to make money. Who's putting in the money's gotta mm-hmm. money is got to make money. So you, you you just hope. I think if I look at the system, that's been around, even with the NBA academies and all that stuff. We, our own opportunity for us is to keep everything in Africa. Yeah, We want, look at the Chinese, for example. They have a, it's not every Chinese player that comes to go to school in the US or plays in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Only the Yamins and the Ggs end up playing the NBA. Let the very best. Like in, like in every given year about How many thousands of African basketball players migrate to the United States? I'm not saying, of course, everybody wants a good education, just like I did, everybody wants. But why can't we, if we do it the right way, these are jobs we're creating. These are, we're not trying to export out of Africa. We're trying to keep it in Africa, not to make the players not be any better. Mm-hmm. Even look at it in soccer. It's the same thing. All our top players are playing in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. They leave Africa and play in Europe. They make money in Europe. Imagine if we can recreate the whole STEM opportunity right in Africa.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I think Africa really <laughs> needs it. We Africa needs this so badly. We need to, okay, for the example, the NBA, mostly Africans, players, African players of African descent. We have the management. We have the economies. I'm thinking, you know, even if we started ourselves and then partner with somebody else, it gives us equity in the business, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, we don't have any equity. I think the MBA is a wonderful organization. I've been part of it for 15 years. I still, I know the the ins and the outs as much as anyone does. I think, I hope there's some cohesion, Mm -hmm. you know, You know, for us, the CBL is also very important. You know, in the United States, for example, there's, I'm assuming, probably about 40 basketball leagues from college, junior college, NBA, D-League. You know, there are 54 countries in Africa and about how many billion people? (laughs) Yeah. You know, the NBA is not going to cover everything. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, they can be in every country, in every market. So that's why it's imperative, we still have the CBL. You know, there has to be some kind of competition too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There has to be some kind of alternative. Yeah. You know, with NBA with Fever, something homegrown. Mm-hmm. So that's our opportunity. I think we'll do as much as we can to encourage the NBA, the BAL, we'll do as much as we can to encourage, I think anybody else that wants to start the, the, the basketball league or football league, in the private sector should be encouraged too. Yeah. You know, there should be no monopoly in any sense, you know. Because Africa has the highest population under 20 in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's a lot of people.
0: Yeah, youngest continent, yeah.
1: So the more we can do, if someone calls me to them, they want to start the BAL, GAL, DAL, OBL, whatever you want to call it, yeah. I'll be there to support you. I'll give you the blueprint. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you how I did it. I'll tell you how it's done. It should be everywhere. There should be a professional basketball league in every country. There should be a professional basketball league for under 16 years old. Mm -hmm. There should be everything, just like everything is in Europe and America. Why is the country with the greatest resource of that talent, the continent with the greatest resource of that talent, why don't we have 500 basketball leagues?
0: Mm No, I, I hear you, and I'm sure there's many people out there who also share your frustrations. But even even as you're talking, you know, I'm sure you know yourself. There's been so much talk of potential in Africa. Um, this may this this. I'm gonna ask you a question. You may not be able to put a, a figure or quantity to it, but how long do you think until we will see that? that change from potential to realization in terms of sport, in terms of, um, not only sport, just Africa reaching its, yeah. See the realization to that potential that's been spoken of for so long.
1: The potential can be as soon as possible, as far as we do it ourselves. Yeah. If we don't do it ourselves, we'll keep exporting our talents. We'll keep exporting our our human resources. Yeah. Because it benefits a lot of people but us.
0: Mm-hmm. No.
1: You know, you got to understand, the CBL didn't have any platform. We didn't have the luxury of having the MBA or any organization around us Yeah. that's already built a brand. We built the brand from scratch. We built a platform. We didn't have any pre-existing... Uh, template we organically looked at what's going on ground and built it up i have never run a basketball league before i've never run a rec center league so everything we did was how do we do it what should we do trial and error (laughs) you know and we still created the magic so i think it's still possible everywhere but it has to be done you know when we are doing our league bro when we go to Ivory Coast, they will cut off the power at the at the arena. Somebody came and stole the the controls for the um uh, the screens. Mm-hmm. You know they threatened some of our staffers. You know they we came to a hotel threatening Radisson Blue. Why are you you know I was like, did we are we? Did we invent a nuclear (laughs) weapon or something? It's basketball. Yeah. Like, I received death threats. Wow. I received death threats from people I know. I was like, huh. Either we are doing something really, really important.
2: Yeah.
1: Or we just invented some magical weapon or something.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Like the pushback was so great like he, but instead of pushing us down it motivated us oh wow that means something is going well mm. like we had to run counter intelligence we had to do all kinds of stuff to even exist wow it was the most one of the most craziest and I wasn't even expecting that at all
0: well as you said you lessons learned right you've done the first one and you'll be wiser for for the next season that you guys that you do uh, another question actually that as you're talking, that just came to my mind. Um, in terms of the whole brand for CBO, I know in terms of season one, lessons learned, but it went well. How important is it that those teams within the league are operate as professional as possible in terms of boosting the whole brand of themselves and the league? And at what stage were the, those teams at? In terms of professionalization, commercialization, etc.
1: One of the things I learned early in life in business is you don't do you, you don't do business with someone without equity in the business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The challenge with African leagues is the people that run those leagues, whether it's the state governments or whatever, they are not personally invested in the business. Yeah, you can go and partner with someone that has nothing to lose. Yeah. Impossible. So what we did early on is to find, identify people that were able to do that, um, encourage them, and make them partners in the business. Make sure they invested in the business. Mm -hmm. They put their own skin on the game. What they were doing, that we had to build the infrastructure around them: the management, the marketing, the sponsorships. We help. We put the whole structure for them to understand how this works we brought them to the table as partners. We didn't tell them, you go play here, you go play here. So that gave them, and they were not only partners in their teams, they were also, just like the NBA, they were partners in our basketball league. Yeah. They had ownership. Okay. So it gave them an opportunity to understand, okay, this is what we need to do. It was no longer the traditional African way. They understood it was a business. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't the... Oh I have yeah you want to win, but you're not going to have to cheat because if you cheat so much, it affects the whole integrity of the league yeah, and so everybody was like a homeowners association mm-hmm. Every, if you don't cut your grass, your value goes down, my value goes down,
0: yeah, I love that
1: we, you understand, so <laughs> we made sure everybody was cutting their grass, and they had to actually reminding them because they understood we have to do classes with them, we have to bring in their marketing people, we have to encourage them to be part, to feel like part of the process.
2: Yeah.
0: No, that's, um, that's great. I mean, I can ask you questions. We could talk about this for ages, but let's take a short break. And then um, when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, AFA sports and what that's about. So see you guys shortly. Hi guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Africa Sports Unified. And I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please do let us know your thoughts. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, or people you want to join us on a podcast, then we'll be keen to know more. Connect with us on social media, Five. AS Unified, across all platforms, or simply leave a comment. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. So I guess just let's just delve straight into it. Then you go. Know, I mean, successfully held the first season of the CBL um, and now you've launched your own sports brand like just talk us through how that happened and your idea behind it because to some looking from the outside in maybe that that path is not lineage or they wouldn't have thought you would have moved from CBL to AFA sports just want to explain more detail what that is and the reason behind it
1: the beautiful thing for me about when you're on a journey is you never know where you're gonna end up. Mm-hmm. So when we started our basketball league, I tried to bring in Nike, Adidas, and Co.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, with my network, trying to get a sponsorship. Um, I I received a lot of notes. You know, but it's not because they are foreign brands. I don't want yeah. to say that. I don't even want to say international brands. Because I went to about 50 to 100 uh, Nigerian brands for sponsorship, and I got the no. Oh, really? So, um, another thing I noticed was the basketballs we had at the time, the gyms were not air-conditioned that much. So when the players sweat, the ball gets really slippery. Oh yeah, so they won't be able to grip it. Correct, there was too many turnovers. Yeah. So I designed a ball that absorbs sweat. Wow. And made it, went to China, didn't know anybody, created this ball. The first one didn't even have a logo on it because I wasn't even thinking. Yeah. I was like, why don't we start our own brand based on this? You know, these people are not thinking about what our needs are in Africa. Yeah. So for months, I was thinking about a brand name and came up with AFA, Africa for Africa. Yeah. And I had a dream where I saw the logo. And that became... I never had an intention of having a clothing brand. I never had any idea that we'll have a sports brand. Yeah, I never even imagined it in any way. So that was how the brand got came about. How it started. So that, that's from the basis of everything we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we we believe that there's so much part of our environment over there that's been neglected by the major brands, whether it's the textures, the colors, mm-hmm. the uh, the climate. So that gave us, I was like, wow, OK, this is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So when we started FA, I resigned my job here in the United States. I moved to Africa to focus on building
0: the brand. Oh, wow. So proper full time on it. Yes um i mean the growth has been quite exponential for afa sports in terms of the sponsorship deals that you have so you've got uh still for the nigerian women's basketball team who just qualified for well the olympics is now postponed but have qualified for the olympics they've broken many records with your logo and your jersey um your track suits many people in africa wear it like i think for maybe as you mentioned, we have maybe international brands, but some of those are unaffordable for your everyday, everyday person you know, in Africa. So how, how have you managed to build the brand? I know we spoke about the sponsorships. Is that the main way that you've gone about it? Or are you really tapping into the cultural side between Africa and fashion and, and entertainment in and that whole space?
1: Afro sports has come through so many phases. Mm-hmm. I can't even keep up. So the first phase was we have this basketball league nobody wanted to sponsor. Yeah. That we felt like, okay, let's make products and grow the brand and grow the league together.
2: Yeah.
1: The second part was there was a transition with the Nigerian basketball national team.
2: Yeah.
1: uh, Management. There was a, just like in Africa. There was a group that's been there for eight years. They lost an election. They didn't want to leave.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the new group came in. So there was a tussle, right? So the new group was now handling the national team. But the old group had the contract with the APRA companies, uh, Peak Yeah. at the time. So they didn't release that. And Peak was aligned with the old group. So the national team did not have uniforms. The new guys and the new national team don't have uniforms. So I think about 10 days to, to Mali, the women had the African championship in Mali.
2: Yeah.
1: They refused to send them uniforms. So this new group reached out to, of course, Nike and the rest of them. All those ones they didn't want any controversy. So I was sitting there, I had no plans for the national team. I had no, it wasn't even in my space. They asked me, can you provide uniforms for us? I said, of course I can do that, but I will want a contract because it's going to be a big investment.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Then also this was happening with the men's team. They were going to Tunisia for the African championship. So in 10 days, I ran to China with my design team. Created because I just didn't want to create any kind of product. Yeah. I wanted to make okay. This is my only opportunity to showcase African sports. I'm gonna make it. I'm yeah. gonna let people see the African context to it. Yeah. So we the first uniform with African designs. We landed in Mali. My team landed in Mali the day of the game. Wow. And the girls ended up winning the Afro basket. Yeah, the tournament, yeah. Then the men went to Tunisia with their uniforms. They ended up being, playing in the finals. And after they won, now the other companies now wanted to come, in, come back in. So the agreement was, since Afro Sports has invested so much already, instead of just telling them to go, let peak handle the men. That was a compromise and we handled the women. So apart from that, since then, we've also using our own network and expertise mm-hmm. uh, in the industry to help build a team, grow the team. The challenge that most people don't understand is the way African basketball leagues, uh, international, FIBA International Cups in Africa is, is uh, organized The games are not shown in Africa on TV. Wow. The games are shown in in Europe because FIBA is based in Europe. Mm -hmm. If you want to get it in Nigeria, you have to get the app from Star Times, all kinds of stuff. So it's not on, so people don't even watch these games. Like last time I checked, the last tournament they had in Senegal, where there were about 30,000 people in the arena, about 200 people watched it in Nigeria. (laughs) So for us as a brand, and this is why brands do not embrace African teams, you know, because there's no exposure.
2: Yeah. We
1: can't even sell the jerseys because nobody's watching those things. So nobody except, like, family and friends. And so in terms of a brand positioning, it helped us. But in terms of return on investment, mm. yeah, was really – I think for us, the Olympics would have been the opportunity for us to showcase ourselves. Yeah. So all through these four years, we're just doing our own part in trying to make sure the team is good, do everything we can. When in terms of return on investment over the past four years, it's only the Olympics. Now it's time for the Olympics. All the international brands want to come in. Mm-hmm. But before then, nobody was interested in the women's team.
2: Yeah.
1: So, you know, we are very proud of what they've done. You know, I've never seen women like... I don't know if you watch their games. Those girls are like lions,
2: man. They're really good. So they are a very
1: good team, and they're gonna make an impact in the Olympics.
0: Yeah. So, so in you saying that, um, I guess in still regarding the growth in terms of the lack of exposure, so how would you then try to grow it? Is your focus on international brands because it gets seen abroad? I mean, international territories because it gets seen abroad, or is it still within the content that try and grow it and make it like a... It's a sportswear brand, but from what I've seen, it also, can also be like a lifewear, lifestyle brand, you know? You yourself, you're wearing the tracksuit. I've seen other people wearing the tracksuit, and it's pretty cool. So is it either or is it both? Or? I, I think for us in the past two years, we've
1: become the, I would say, the top sports brand in Africa. I yeah. mean, in Nigeria. Not because I'm sitting here. I think right now, like you said, we transitioned from the national team to life and to fitness. Yeah, you
2: know,
1: and we are, before this uh, COVID nineteen thing, we are already working on international expansion. Mm-hmm. I think we've had astronomical growth in the past two years. Uh, we've been, um, we've been, uh, we've got some notoriety from international partners that want yeah. to come ab- come aboard, and. I think people are seeing the vision now. When we first started, nobody understood what <laughs> the end of the road was. But I think right now, and also with this uh, pandemic going on, you know, we have become the number one resource for our sports products in Nigeria right now because nobody's really uh, traveling outside. Yeah. The competition is limited in yeah. terms of uh, the latest products and what's out there in the market. Mm-hmm. So, we are riding the storm right now, especially with home fitness, workouts, yeah, and all that stuff. So, we've expanded our offerings. We also built a factory in Nigeria. We manufacture 85% of our products in Nigeria. Um, we, we've we employed a lot of people. Um, we have over 30 employees right now.
0: That's brilliant. You
1: know, we are starting with about three or four people, yeah. you know, so we're growing. We you know we just finished our new uh, headquarters in Lakey, uh, state-of-the-art headquarters. And we're we really streamlining our operations, getting ready to, we deliver in 30 countries right now. We mm-hmm. get orders from 30 countries all over the world, mm-hmm. um, especially in the United States. So I think, um, I think our opportunity grows every day. Right. And where, uh, there's really people don't understand. For me, Alpha Sports is not about me or the brand. I think at some point, every country that has been successful in the sports industry has to have a sports brand um, that's localized, whether it's Under Armour or um, Nike or Adidas in Europe. Yeah. Because if the company um, has a symbiotic relationship with the environment. You Know when where people are living, eating, they invest more in the sports industry. Yeah. As Alpha Sports grows and creates more revenues, uh, it's going to be reinvested because it's it's in Alpha's best interest that the sports environment keeps growing. Yeah, so we'll reinvest in that growth. Mm-hmm. So, this gives us a new opportunity. Yeah. You know, once we come to a point where we are turning in some revenue. Most of it will be reinvested in the growth of soccer, basketball, and all sports. Children, especially, you know, we, we we want to have the opportunity to grow. You know, to grow with the environment and build a brand that's not just about one person or two people. Yeah, you know, a brand that leaves. Way after i'm gone everybody's gone and and keeps giving to the community if that makes sense
0: no it definitely does and i, I definitely understand that and it sounds amazing um another question that i want to ask because just again from speaking to people and understanding how is the this is more on a um btb level more so btc but in terms of your experience of uh, merchandise and how it works because i think again forgive but going back to a european model of how your adidas will pay manchester united for for their jersey but obviously they'll recoup that money from the sales that might have globally etc same with nike and various other sport institutions in football and basketball but obviously in africa the the, the landscape is is different And I know you're in Basel, but how do you, how do you, what is the, is there that understanding in the, in the African sports space regarding how the merchandise market runs and how do you navigate that? Yeah, I know you mentioned it briefly, but I just want to touch on it again.
1: Well, all all these components need to resonate together at the same time for it to work. There's got to be a will that's Mm turning. Whether it's the side of it, the TV side of it. You know, you can't have alpha sports up here and media is down here. Yeah. Or the entertainment is down here. There has to be mutual growth for everything to be spinning right. You know, if there's no TV or the local leagues are not being produced properly,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. there's no, if you're sponsoring it, nobody's going to buy the jersey. Mm So, the reason Nike Adidas will sponsor Manchester United is because they are hoping people will see the Manchester, the more Manchester wins, yeah. people are going to buy those products and they see it on TV. People in Europe, Nigeria, everywhere are wearing Manchester United products, right? Yeah. So at, at some point, you know, Alpha Sports can go one day and can go and sponsor one of those teams too at some point. But our obligation first has to be from the home side. Mm-hmm. But we have to also make sure all those components are working in perfect uh, system, so that the growth can be uh, can be the same.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So and the infrastructure and all that stuff is lacking right now. But uh, we're working on some infrastructure developments too. Yeah, that uh, we unveil in the next couple months. It's good um that will especially for indoor sports
0: yeah that sounds amazing um and just want to touch on this briefly before before we, we wrap up um i know you're a great advocate of um the power of and the mixture of sports and entertainment and culture um and as you mentioned data in africa is very difficult to come by but how cru- how crucial are the two um, working hand in hand and the impact that they have for someone on ground who actually sees that?
1: Well, it's very uh, interesting. You know, before I came to Nigeria, I was hearing about 200 million people, the market. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Then I had, This is for real, though, right? Mm -hmm. We had a basketball game. And I remember, I didn't even know who AY was at the time, this comedian in Nigeria, right? He was performing that night. And my team told me, if we have a game today, nobody's going to show up. AY is not a joke. Yeah. I was like, who's this damn AY? We're going to (laughs) play. Nobody showed up. Very few people showed up. Yeah. Well, we have to delay the game after the Ay show. They start coming to a game, uh-huh. so the market is so tiny. It's the same people. Point zero 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 one percent. Yeah. The market with disposable income in Lagos, which is the biggest city in Nigeria, is so tiny. It's the same people that go from one club to another to yeah. like it's Houston, where the Rockets can be playing the. Um, Football team is playing, the Texans yeah. can be playing, and there's a constant concepts going on the same day. There are so many people with disposable income. In Nigeria, you can't even have two shows on the same day in Lagos. Wow. It's going to be a disaster. So the numbers don't add up. Even when we started um, Alpha Sports, people were throwing numbers at me. Oh, we sold this, we sold that. Some companies were telling me I Literally sat in front of their store for four hours, five hours a day. Nobody was buying. Yeah. So you have to kind of really understand the situation and know and build your business structure around it. Yeah. If you want to provide, like if you're running a real business. Mm-hmm. Not running a real business—that's fine, because a lot of people also have businesses just to say they're doing something, which is the unperogative. But if you want to run something that's sustainable for a very long time, you have to put grounds, boots on the ground. You have to see. You have to run into the market to get data. You have to. But at some point, I'm assuming this data we're collecting now will be valuable to some
0: other people. Yeah, for sure, 100%. It brings transparency and allows greater clarity or making decisions so for sure exactly yeah oh, that's interesting that you say that um and has the mixture of um uh entertainment um how crucial was that in building not just afa but cbl in terms of the davidos and other uh, musicians and artists attend you know when
1: people come to the games right yeah one thing i notice i always say even for me, I don't care who's playing. I don't care who's winning. I want to look at the faces of the people in the crowd and see they're happy.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, the people that came to again didn't even know anything about basketball. Yeah. Let me tell you, most of them came for the women, they came <laughs> for the drinks, they came for the shows.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, basketball was just the attraction. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the show. Like, sometimes they saw the dunks, they saw the late buzzer three-point shots, mm-hmm. they, they saw all the stuff. But how we made them feel was, was what brought them in. Yeah. As they were walking through our arena, we made sure, like, it came in every whole place was smelling of food, popcorn, yeah. drinks. They were buying bottles at the table. All the women were there, you know. That brought them up, for some reason, the women wanted now to see the man. It became a social scene mm-hmm. sometimes three hours after the game, we are begging people to leave the arena. Wow, it's still packed. They are still the music. We have the DJ, people yeah. were dancing. It was like a nightclub. Mm-hmm. And I told people, Man, people think basketball, basketball. I don't think basketball, I think entertainment. Yeah, I want people to have fun. I don't care who won. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I didn't, I, I'm not gonna remember who won the CBL championship. I was thinking about how to make people happy, how how they felt. So they wanted to come back the next day. You know, how we personalize our service, how they got free products, they got free, you know, they wanted to pay. They did everything to make them feel good. Yeah. You know, they wore their best clothes to, to the game. You know, everybody wanted to be seen. I never knew who David O was yeah. at that time, like, there would be over 50 celebrities. They would pay their own money mm-hmm. to get cross sitting at the game. Because the MTV base was part of our partners, so they were streaming this thing live. Yeah. So it was, I can't wait for that magic again, because everybody couldn't wait for Sunday. Yeah. Like people texting me, I can't wait for the game on Sunday. And they didn't even know who the players were. <laughs> And then we had a lot of players that were good-looking. For the women, they had a lot of tall men that were good-looking. And they wanted the attention, you know. So it was a whole mix. So it was entertainment. For me, sports is entertainment. I don't, I don't care about medals, man. When people tell me they want to go win medals, I'm like, medals don't pay the bills. <laughs> That's just a piece of metal, man. I have so many of them myself. What they've done for me. You know, the most important thing is how people felt. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was my joy. If I came into the game, I saw people dancing during the game, drinking. You know, that brought so much joy to me, man. I couldn't – I like to see people happy. You know, Nigeria is so stressful. On a Sunday, you come in with your kids, sit down. It was amazing. Like, as I'm talking about it, I can't wait for the next games. (laughs) Like, there was so much fulfillment. Like, we made parking easy. We made people life coming to the arena easy. This was your moment to distress from, like, create the facade around you, get away from Nigeria. Like, when people come in there, they'd be like, damn, it doesn't feel like I'm in Nigeria. Mm. Like, everybody's nice, smiling, they're staffed, everything. It was something
0: amazing. you even getting me excited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, Trust I, I, me, if you have come to the games till today, everybody have been to that game, but well, I, I can't wait to see this again. And no, you 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 sold it to me. Not that I need any more selling to be
2: there.
0: Um, <laughs> but even talking about that. So what's next for CBL and AFA or AF as you say? What, what's next?
1: I think for me, what's next is, you know, to be honest, sometimes I feel like we don't have enough time in this generation to create, to get to what's next. Mm-hmm for me is to lay, the, for us to be able to give, God give us the opportunity to lay the groundwork.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and leave a legacy for that groundwork. Mm-hmm. That's for me what's next. You know, I think Apple sports growth has been, like we have to pull back sometimes, like we're moving too fast. Yeah. You know, we haven't even officially lodged your brand. I think for CBL, once we have our own arena, welcome. like, what we can put on a nice show, We put on a show without our own arena. When we have our arena ready, it's gonna be magical, man.
2: Yeah.
1: Like there's gonna be people breathing fire, there's gonna be (laughs) horses, like it's gonna be you know it's gonna be the biggest party Lagos ever seen before. So we want an escape for people. We want people where the people can go and be like, I can't wait to get there every Sunday. I can't wait to be there, like Like, I can't, for me, the next step is legacy. Yeah. Let's create something. Let the young people see. Like, if you come to my office, I only have people in their 20s working for me. I'm like grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, because I want to help these kids grow. Yeah. They will be the ones that will carry it for a long time to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm excited about. I hope to retire in the next two, three years. Mm-hmm. And I'm building people that will take over. I'm not trying to be For me, this is not about what I've done or who I am. This is about creating something for Africa. I didn't leave where I am in the United States to do, to work. If I was looking for personal gratification or money, I was already doing that in my business. Mm -hmm. So I'm very proud of what we've done and proud of the people that have been part of the process so far.
0: Thanks. Thank you so much, Hugo. It's been been amazing. It's been wonderful. I've enjoyed the the conversation. Uh, For people who are listening, I want to reach out. I will leave um, your links and website at the bottom of the description. So please do get in contact if you need any information or you want to find out more. And, yeah, like I said, if you have any questions, um, feel free to get in contact with us as well. We'll be happy to answer them. But, Hugo, thank you so much for Thank you, bro. It's been amazing. Hopefully this will not be the last, um, but now it's been great. So All thanks right. again, and to you guys listening,
2: thanks and take care.